And we are rolling. Hello. Hello. Hey, Rose, can I ask you a question? And Thomas as well. Yeah, hit me. What is the most traumatic culinary experience you've ever had? Uh, all right. So um, one time I, um, I, my family was away, so I wanted to cook something weird. So I went to a market in Chinatown, the ones where they have like the live seafood. And I, uh, I, I went up to the, um, the guy behind the counter with like all the tanks. And I said in Mandarin, uh, one big eel, please. And he was all impressed. He was like, oh, okay, very cool. So he like pulls me out. He's like, this one, this one. I pick one out. And then he just scoops it. He just puts it in a bag with no water and hands it to me. And I had to awkwardly switch back to English and be like, can you kill it first? So there's just and, like an eel flopping yeah, around but, in but your bag. But what's fucked up is he didn't put it in water. So it was just going to suffocate to death slowly. <laughs> like, it's one thing if you want it to be completely alive until you kill it at home. But there was no water in the bag, so it would just suffocate it to death. So I was like, no, just kill it now. <laughs> and he, he was, like, making fun of me. Like, he, he like called the other guy over, said something in Mandarin I didn't quite catch, and then turned to me and was like, oh, don't you want it to be fresh? And I was like, I can't take a live eel on the bus. What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, filling it in water would be even weirder because imagine going on the subway or bus and having to say to someone, hey, look, I know you're 90 years old, but can you stand up? I have an eel to take home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also, um, it kept like flopping around even after he cut its head off. There's a guy, so um, I was there's like a going, guy, hey, uh, bus driver, there's a guy next to me who's, whose eel water keeps splashing around. Can you like do something, please? <laughs> yeah. It also kept like flopping around as I was shopping for like vegetables and sauces and stuff. So my, occasionally my, my like shopping bag would just shake. Which was like very traumatic. I uh, I've like filleted fish by hand before, so I'm not like I'm not like against it or whatever. I just it was <laughs> it was like please just kill it, put it out of its misery. It's Come just on, as man. weird to have an eel flopping around in a bag on the way home. Well, it's like <laughs> I liked that he made fun of me. I thought that was kind of fun. He was like, "Oh, don't you want it to be fresh?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was yeah i i really he kind of got me honestly like he he definitely like owned me i think i mean it was just a skill issue at that point yeah so shout out to the guy who works the fish counter at hong kong supermarket hey there's a woman here trying to stuff an eel into her pocket am i the only one who sees this yeah I also, um, it was very traumatic preparing the eel because I didn't, I'd never done it before. So I didn't know eels had a skeleton. I thought you could just kind of cut them up and go for it. But then I started and I realized there was a spine. So oh. I had to look up a video on how to remove an eel's spine. And I saw a video of this guy doing it in like six minutes. And it took me about 45. Did it taste good? <laughs> yeah, it tasted great. Well, but it took so. about 45 minutes to actually to even get the meat ready. <laughs> At least he gave you a bag. Imagine if he had just given you the eel like by itself and you just had to like carry it home. Yeah, that would have been pretty funny. The only thing is you couldn't because it's too slippery. Eels are very slimy. So put it in your pocket. It was too big. It was like it was like eight inches long. It was a big So put it eel. in your pants. <laughs> but then it would like be against my leg and feel gross. <laughs> so you tie it. <laughs> tie it around your ankle. 
I couldn't get enough traction. It's too slippery. Tie, no, tie it to... around your ankle like a monitor. Okay, yeah. You gotta tuck the eel. <laughs> this is my bio ankle monitor. <laughs> also, no, because then it would get on the ground and be gross. Or or take off one of your socks, put the eel inside, and then just like tie the sock up and like put the and then put it in your coat pocket. Boom. I don't think the eel would fit in my sock. You can roll it up. Yeah, maybe I could roll up the. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of like hitting someone with a sock that just has an eel in it. <laughs> okay, I thought I had a good story, but yours definitely beats mine. I try. I li- I strive to please. Thomas, and- do you have one? Oh, I'm afraid not. I'm very boring. Not off the top of my head. Oh, okay, so I guess I'll just I'll just tell my own story. I guess. Hit me. So I was about eight or nine years old, and. I was in Central Park with my parents and some uh, of my sister's friends and their parents and my sister as well. And you know how like when you get a picnic, like you bring fruit, you bring potato chips, like maybe some sodas, water, everything you need. Sure. So uh, there was this bag of chips that I wanted to eat. And it looked really good. And it was Cape Cod brand. And I was really excited because but. Not realizing there were different flavors of potato chips, I just opened the bag and started going at it, just like go, just reaching in, reaching into it and eating the chips. But then I realized there was sea salt and vinegar, and I just had to like spit it out. It was it was disgusting. That's it. Yeah, no, it was what's, terrible. What's wrong with sea salt and vinegar? No, it just tasted Nothing. terrible. I was expecting a, a a tasty. I was I was expecting a tasty potato chip, but then just like the vinegar was overpowering. I will not tolerate vinegar slander on this podcast. I don't know. Just there's something about it. it was just it was very upsetting. It's one of the best liquids. Not for potato chips. Well, yeah, because potato chips are bad. No, but it, first off, wrong. Um, <laughs> you're just saying that to get to me. No, I genuinely think they're bad. Really? Yeah, I think they're a bad snack. I don't know. I mean, like they're not my first my go to bo- snack, but I they're like they're both them. unhealthy and taste bad. So what's the point? Like no, if something's... potatoes aren't bad for you. <laughs> like, if something's going to be bad for me, it should at least taste good. All right. Hit, play the theme song. like that folks we're uh, trying something new we think we're gonna get into sort of comedic cold opens you know see how it goes we're all we're just playing around right now but anyways welcome back to running unopposed i think this is episode 15 which is crazy and it is the conclusion of our epic four-part saga covering the life the times the anti-semitism of oliver j flanagan uh featuring our lovely guest from across the pond thomas Hello, and... Uh, Thomas, that's your cue to talk. Much. Oh, I'm, I'm talking now. Um, do you want to introduce Gabe as well, or is, is Gabe just going to be silent? For yeah, this, Gabe, so? do, you, do you want to talk? Oh, sorry, there's a there's like a blue light on my microphone. That was really cool, so... Oh, hi, yeah, I'm here. What's up? Gabe's like a moth. He just gets distracted by shiny objects. 
Look, I'm not. It's not. I'm not a. Mo- oh, is that a quarter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm slowly clicker training, Gabe. <laughs> that is a joke for maybe one listener. <laughs> who's as much of a degenerate as I am. And hey, if you did get that joke, uh, hit us up in the DMs at, at a post pod on Twitter. So anyways, <laughs> last we left Oliver J. Flanagan, it was the 60s. Uh, rock and roll was booming. The British invasion was hitting America. And Ireland was just coming around to the fact that maybe sex is real. <laughs> I know, very And uh, Oliver J. Flanagan idea. was... Yeah, and Oliver J. Flanagan, our boy, the Flan Man, the Flim Flan, or, or was not a fan of that. So uh, he was fighting against it via the Bishop and the Nighty scandal. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we left him off. It's uh, now, what, 1973. Um, we've just had an election. Uh, for the first time in 16 years, Fianna Fáil are no longer in power, and it's time for Fine Gael to finally take the reins once more. Pack watch, R.I.P. Bozo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well, 1973. Um, that election goes very well for Finnegale, and we can thank, uh, as of 1971, Vice President of Finnegale, Oliver J. Flanagan, for that. He was one of the main coordinators of their election campaign. I mean, after all the so he really came up. Power. Yeah, yeah, he does. Because he just he just has the persona of a ch- of like of like the most the most extreme caricature of a tyrannical middle manager. Mm. Yeah, like everyone has worked for like for like a boss who has the exact same personality as Oliver J. Flanagan. <laughs> or he doesn't even have the personality of an annoying boss. Just like the just like your obnoxious coworker who just makes fun of you and gets you in trouble over the pettiest shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, everyone's worked with or for an Oliver J. Flanagan type guy. But mm. probably less anti-Semitic. Probably less oh, anti-Semitic, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. It's pretty hard to be more anti-Semitic than Oliver J. Flanagan. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's he is vice president of Fine Gael, uh, but despite his power and despite his authority... And everyone's just cool with the fact that he thought Hitler was cool, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he did get a little bit of pushback in that uh, in 1969. He's kind of tried to shut up about it. But yeah, he's still there. He's still in for the game. No one cares. Yeah. Man, why is Northern Ireland the only cool part of Ireland? <laughs> oh, yeah, Ian Paisley's a million times cooler. <laughs> what was it? What were Ian Paisley's opinions of Hitler? I think he did it. I don't think he liked him, but I figured I'd ask. I don't know. Oh, I wish I knew. When we do I Ian Paisley, I'll look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless someone has either. comments where they explicitly praise Hitler, I kind of assume they just don't like them because most people don't. I could see hmm. Ian Paisley praising Hitler. I can't. He was a weird guy. He was. Very strange Regardless, man. We'll save Ian Paisley for when we eventually cover Ian Paisley. Hmm. And hey, speaking of weird guys, uh, Oliver James Larkin, um, you know, <laughs> yep. he... He he's he's vice president of Fine Gael. He's very important for their election campaign. However, the one piece of power he has not been afforded is a cabinet position. By the time we're in the seventies, yeah, I wonder why. Ki- yeah, I wonder why he's kind of an embarrassment now. That the, the uh, all Germans are Nazi scandal has really done a 
bit to his reputation. He's gone from the 50s where he was sort of known as like this fast speaker with all these quips, calling people pig, uh, to now, by the time you're in the 70s, uh, he's known for going on four hour long speeches, which mean nothing. Early 50s Oliver J. Flanagan was like 2007 Kanye West and 70s Oliver Mm. J. Flanagan is like 2023 Kanye West. Yeah, but just swap around the praise for the Nazis. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's excluded from a cabinet position, which is, of course, uh, unfortunate for him. But hey, he could still be happy about the fact that in 1973, his son-in-law, Charles MacDonald, joined him as a TD for Lee Shoffley. So, yeah, we love nice. a son on this podcast. Yeah. Ooh, a son-in-law. Fail son-in-law. Yeah, fa- even better, a, a son-in-law. Yeah, we like that even more on this podcast. <laughs> We love when when a guy comes up and just sets up all his homies. That's the dream. Yeah, I mean, he he said so in the last episode. That was that's his purpose. He always wants to put a friend in a good job, and why not look after his son-in-law? Yeah. Yeah. And you know that's pretty good news. Hey, son-in-law is now an elected representative. Pretty cool. But there's some bad news as well, because in 1973, one of those court rulings that Oliver J. Flanagan was so terrified of, an Irish Roe v. Wade, finally happens. It's McGee versus Attorney General, which rules that the ban on contraceptives that Ireland has is unconstitutional and that the Dáil has to legalize contraceptives. So not even abortion, just contraceptives. Yes, just like condoms, pills, spermicides. Yep, not abortion. So condoms were illegal in Ireland until the mid-70s? Yep, even longer, yep. Jesus Christ! I guess literally Jesus Christ. Yeah, literally, literally Jesus <laughs> what Christ. What an insane yeah. country. What an insane <laughs> country. I feel like every country has like an insane law on the books though. Yeah, but that's that's crazy. Where were we? Uh yeah, McGee versus Attorney General. Uh the contraceptives has been ruled unconstitutional. Uh well the ban on cons- uh, on contraceptives has been ruled unconstitutional. <laughs> And Flanagan is not happy about this fact. He's not happy in the slightest. I, I would imagine ruled not. This way. Yeah, really not happy. And he is going to fight tooth and nail in the doll to make sure that it does not legalize contraceptives. Flanagan charged pressure groups funded by very substantial sums of money from abroad for creating a growing anti-church climate. These evilly disposed pressure groups were given undue press by atheistic modern journalism and wanted to attack everything for which the church stands and remove the name and expression of the almighty creator and have had it blacked and blotted out from everything. So he's moved on from Jews to atheists. That's sort of progress. I mean, although I mean, all... not really. No, I mean, the one thing I'll ask is who do we think is funding these pressure groups with very substantial sums of money from abroad? Yeah, that's a fair point. I I would imagine he he would say the Jews. Well, I mean, look, it's it's the it's crazy now. that he, all he had to say it. It's crazy he's that all he it. had to do was stop literally saying the word Jew, and he could continue <laughs> saying everything else. Even being pretty clear, he's still talking about the Jews, and everyone's yeah. just cool with it. Yeah, everyone's just everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. No, yeah, he's perfectly fine with us. Uh, but the one thing he uh, like. 
look, he's fine with it. Everyone's fine with it. And the one thing he's not fine with is the growing moral breakdown of Ireland, including the growing practice of wife swapping. I'm sorry. Hang on. What? Wait, did he? He was afraid of wife swapping out of all the things that were. He was going afraid on. of. He was afraid of swingers parties. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. He he, de- he declared. <laughs> was that, that in like? 19- in 1973, he declared there was an epidemic of wife swapping. I don't know where he got this idea from, but, but he said it. I was going to say, was, was, were swingers parties particularly popular in Ireland in the 70s? I Maybe don't he watched so. a lot of TLC and saw that show <laughs> Wife Swap. <laughs> do you not remember this? Oliver J. Flanagan in like a trench coat going to the like VHS store adult section. <laughs> Do you guys remember this TLC show Wife Swap I'm referring to? No, I do, that, yeah. Was that just some pornography you watched? No, it's not. No, it was an actual show on TLC. <laughs> what was the like, game? I remember. Is it what it sounds it like? like? Thomas, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, I, I don't think I've seen the TLC version, but there were ones, like, over here in, like, the UK where it was like, uh, here's two wives, we're going to swap their positions, and you're going to act like the mother of these random children for, like, a couple of weeks, and you're going to do the same. That seems like it would be very traumatic for a child. Literally just, I'm your new mom now. Yeah, but for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I would love to go on one of those shows. That would be fun. I remember there was what? And like the, I'm going to start the, point... the gay wife swap show. That's going to be the cool. Point was the it's going to be like were... one gay couple and one lesbian couple. It's going to be fun. The point was the families were polar opposites. Oh, so like one of them would be rich and one of them would be poor, that kind of mm. thing? Or no, it would be more like personality things. Like, like for example, one was a mom who coddled her kid and like never made him go to school ever. And the other was a mom who made her daughter pay for her like flight tickets when they went on vacation together. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's like a <laughs> see how the other half lives kind of thing. All right. <laughs> no, it was one of so- the dumbest shows I've ever seen. Yeah, well, it was also filmed entirely in Lee Shoffley in the 1970s. Absolutely. Fun fact to kind of to kind of bring us back. <laughs> but yeah, sort he's, of re- he's reorienting our train car. He's screaming about reorienting this. the bicycle of this podcast. <laughs> the bicycle, yeah. Just make sure you have your license. And yeah, he's complaining right. about this, and he's he's screaming and shouting and and having a bad time. And somehow, this is convincing. Because the majority of the coalition government vote down their own bill and contraceptives remain illegal. What? Yeah. Wait, contraceptives were what you said? I, you cut out. Remain illegal. Uh, wait, <laughs> so they voted clever. down their own bill? Yeah. Why? <laughs> because I, of the wife swapping. I, I'm genuinely not sure. Uh, like All I know is that it was quite a shock when specifically Liam Cosgrave, the teacher, the leader of the country, voted down his own bill. And yeah, it was just that Fine Gael decided, no, actually, the court may have said, you know, it, it's that, uh, oh, what's it, that Andrew Jackson quote about, like, uh, Mar- uh, you know, uh, Justice Marshall has made his ruling. Now let us see him enforce it. Basically, the government was like, <laughs> the, the Supreme Court has made their decision. Let's see him enforce it. Wait, but wasn't they, but weren't they but weren't they in favor of this bill at first? They were uh so they they had to do it as a uh, because they were legally compelled to and then they just decided mm. no. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> How much of a crisis did this uh, set off? Uh, none. Oh. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> they just kept calm and carried on. Yeah, they, they just said, no, we're not going to pass it. And it's going to take, we'll, we'll see when it does get legalized, but it's going to take a while for finally the doll to legalize contraceptives, despite legally having to do it in 1973. <laughs> yeah, Con- you'll be able to buy condoms in this country over my dead body. I mean, yeah, that's basically Flanagan's argument. <laughs> Man. Now, you know, what not all the coolest. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lovely country. I love Ireland so much. It, it's ter- It's not a terrible place. So, you know, the government votes down their own bill, but not all of the coalition do. And one Fine Gael TD who voted in favour of legalisation was Oliver J. Flanagan's son-in-law, Charles MacDonald. Oh, no. So how do this we sounds think like he's going to feel? McDonald, he's probably, he's probably secretly Scottish. Can't listen to him. <laughs> I wonder what the family uh, dinner, ta- what the family uh, get-togethers were like after that. Oh, they're they're going to get worse because this would not stand as far as Oliver J. Flanagan would st- was uh, concerned. And not long after the vote, the voting records of Lee Shoffley's TDs on the issue were circulated anonymously around the constituency with members of the clergy and the Knights of St. Columbanus. Oh now, my God, those guys are still here? Yeah, they're still around and Flanagan's still oh, very so high-ranking in them. Insane. Hmm. Now, one of these letters what is was actually. Specific... Yeah, go on. Go ahead. What is their specific purpose? The knight, the knights of Columbanus. Are they just like a conservative protect Catholic Catho- group? Yeah, protects Catholicism's yeah. interests. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, a lay organization who uh, wanted to uphold the position of the institutional Catholic Church. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Ah, oh, fuck. So yeah, these uh, anonymous circulars go around the constituency, but there was a bit of a mistake, because one of them was returned to sender accidentally, revealing that every single one of them had been sent from the doll, and specifically, they'd been sent by Oliver J. Flanagan. Man, color me shocked. I know, so shocking. But yeah, he uh, th- this becomes a massive scandal that he was sort of taking advantage of his right as a TD to send out uh, letters for free for his own political gain. He denies that they were anonymous. <laughs> I I don't know why that was the thing he was denying, but he denied specifically that they were anonymous. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. If I'm going to break the law, I'm going to take credit for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I wasn't pretending He's like, I wasn't. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry, when I abuse my institutional privilege, you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, these letters go around the constituency, and McDonald's doll career was completely ruined by them. As a cross-leash offily, he was denounced from the pulpit, which was Flanagan's intention. Basically, like all the, the wow. old biddies are right. going to, they're all going to church, and then their priest is telling them Charles McDonald is a sinner, and you shouldn't vote for him. Yeah. And yeah, yeah uh, don't cross the don't cross a, the Knights of San Columbanus, I guess. No, don't cross them. Don't cross Oliver J. Flanagan. Now, in mm-hmm. nineteen seventy-five, Flanagan's old friend James Dillon did him one last solid and asked Tishik Liam Cosgrave to give him a position as the junior minister for local government. And the reason behind this is because oh, no. <laughs> ev- everyone thinks that he's going to die. Everyone is absolutely certain this man Flanagan? is on death's door. Yeah, 
they are certain he's on death's door because he's constantly in the hospital. He's constantly. How old is sick. he at this point? Uh, he's in his fifties. I was gonna say he's always on death's door. Yeah, he's been on death's door since he was like fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> he lives on the porch at this point. <laughs> he lives on the but porch. Yeah, ev- nice. Everyone's <laughs> lives on the porch. But yeah, everyone's absolutely certain of it. And so James Dillon basically looks at his his record and his career and goes, "Oh God, he hasn't served enough as a junior minister to get a decent pension." So look, buddy, Liam, give him the position. He has to have his pension. Now, in this position, he didn't really do much. Uh, The only thing we know for certain that he did was advise the Minister for Local Government, James Tully, to not uh, mandate people wear seatbelts. That was the only thing he did. Um, He he didn't like seatbelts. And... The only really important bit about it is... a funny thing to be mad about. Yeah, he, he just didn't like seatbelts. Uh, yeah. Yes. How dare you make it so I can't increase my own likelihood of dying in a car crash for no reason. <laughs> and that's what actually collapsed this government, fun fact. <laughs> the seatbelt issue. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't do much in this position, but it does set him up perfectly for the thundering disgrace affair. That's a cool name for a scandal. Mm. So, Thundering Disgrace Affair. Thundering uh, Disgrace sounds like a custom shotgun in Borderlands. That's awesome. (laughs) Now, so, last we talked off, we talked a little bit about how the troubles are now happening. And the coalition government was using every single tool at its disposal to crack down on the IRA. Everything it could. The Gardaí was even now torturing suspected Republican detainees. Now, this was well known by the government, and Minister Conor Cruz O'Brien said on hearing reports of torture that he didn't inform his fellow ministers, Gareth Fitzgerald and Justin Keating, because I thought it would worry them. It didn't worry me. (laughs) Just going up to the Irish public when they're like, what's going on with all those prisoners? And and you just like pat them on the head and go, don't worry about it, kitten. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had to get a quick jab in there at Conor Cruz O'Brien, one of those great pieces of shit of Irish history. Uh, but, you know, they're doing everything they can. They're really clamping down. And they want to pass emergency powers legislation to give them more power. This is a goal they've always had. And they finally have their chance in July 1976 when British Ambassador, uh, Ambassador Christopher Ewart Biggs was assassinated by the IRA. That has to be a fake name. No, it's a real guy. His and name he is, is Christopher Ewart Biggs. Yep, Christopher Ewart Biggs, and he's the most Bond villain ass looking motherfucker <sighs> in the world. He had a black monocle. No, he didn't. He did. I'm looking at this man, Ewart Biggs. <laughs> yeah. Ewart yes, Biggers. he has the monocle. Ewart Biggs. Oh he's my! <laughs> You can't look like that and expect to not get assassinated. <laughs> Come on. Oh, he yeah. was assassinated? That's how he died? Yeah, yeah so, so that's what I'm talking about here. That uh, the Sorry, IRA... there's something on my... Co- there's a notification that was... Yeah, no worries. But yeah, Christopher Ewart Biggs is oh assassinated by the IRA, and this is the perfect opportunity to pass some emergency powers legislation. Now, the coalition we government... Must protect tries... all the other... No, go, go ahead, on. sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But yeah. No, never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. Mm. 
all the other Bond villains, you know, B- Blofeld is there. They want to protect him too. Yeah. Dr. No is uh, like in a disguise as a TD voting on this legislation. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the government wants to pass this emergency power legislation. And President Kurtival Odali does one of the few things that you can do as a president in, Ar- in Ireland, and he delays the legislation. He sends it off to the Supreme Court, basically because he's worried, ooh, this is a lot of powers to be giving to the government. Maybe we should check this over. <laughs> I'm going to assume that made him super popular with the rest of his government. Oh, that, that made him hate it. They despised him so much. And so much so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I'll get to that in a sec. But yeah, during the delay, uh, Gardy in Leash got a tip off uh, that there was an abandoned house in Gary Hinch where the IRA were currently constructing a bomb for the purpose of assassinating Oliver J. Flanagan. No. How close did they get? Well, they got the tip off that this was happening. And so the Gardaí, of course, rushed to the abandoned house. They go in. It's booby-trapped. There's a massive explosion. And one of the Gardaí dies. And the rest are badly injured. <laughs> did they? Were they okay in the end, though? Or did they have like lifelong deformities? Uh, well, one of them died. One of them was blinded. And the rest were uh, injured. But, but, like, I mean, the ones who were injured, like, did they uh, I don't know. other than I, the guy who was blinded? I have no idea, who cares? but I just know. They I'm didn't just do curious. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that feels like a thing you should suspect if you're the police and you're at war with a guerrilla organization. Like, yeah. if I get a tip off, that's the first thing I'm thinking of is, is this a trap by the guerrilla organization that wants to kill us? Mm. <laughs> And now, this is not really the IRA's MO in the South. So it was a little bit unusual, and it becomes this huge shock of like, oh my god, there's this bombing in the South. And in all likelihood, if we want to sort of talk about why it really happened, it's because of that torture I was mentioning before. The Leishgardi in particular were well known for just loving torture. It was their favorite thing in the world. And so in all likelihood, the Leish IRA decided to send a message. Stop, basically. But it happens in the middle of this nationals. And so there's this local anger. There is this local thing. And it should have been a local affair. But it happened in the middle of this national you know, crisis. In the middle of the emergency power legislation has been delayed. So it becomes this huge national story. And Minister for Defence, Paddy Donegan, absolutely blamed Kurtval O'Dolly. It was his fault. Absolutely this happened because too. of the president. Uh, Kurtval Dolly, the president. Oh, the president. Uh, the, oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. This is all the president's fault. He did this. And the Minister for Defense is fuming. He's visiting uh, Coom Barracks in Mullingar. There's, it's the most basic thing ever. They're opening a new kitchen. Uh, and so he's, he's having a little visit and he's cutting the ribbon and all that. And he's so fuming mad that he gives a speech to the troops where he berates Odali in front of them, calling their commander-in-chief a traitor and a thundering disgrace. So he wasn't trying to foment a military coup, but he wasn't opposed to it. No. Is what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, generally speaking, not a clever move for the Minister for Defense to uh, imply that the president, the commander-in-chief, is a traitor. Not a good thing to do. 
Yeah, if you're if you listener, if you're the minister of defense of a small to mid-sized country <laughs> and you're planning a military coup, don't do it publicly. Just confer with your homies, the the up the like high level generals. I was gonna you gotta say, keep the, the, you gotta keep the conspiracy small, okay? Well, not just that, but I feel like the point of a military coup is that you take them by surprise because you just you take loyalty from the place where they'd where they'd expect to have it. Yes. Also, um, if you are an aspiring military warlord or any form of military dictator, email the pod at runningonapostpod at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to advise you, maybe do propaganda for you, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that is a joke. That is a joke. We do not support military <laughs> dictatorship. But that yeah, being said, do become... email us. It could be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do not email Unless us. Unless you're planning to be a military do dictator, then contact. don't email us. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to do an interview, I would do that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, th- this is not exactly a, a very good thing to be saying, and it becomes a huge national scandal. But the thing about it I'm is shocked. That, yeah, I know. But the thing about it is that Liam Cosgrave completely agrees with Donegan. He just agrees. <laughs> and so when Uh-oh. Donegan attempts to resign, Liam Cosgrave says, no, you were correct. You don't have to resign. <laughs> Which becomes even more of a problem, because now you have the the Prime Minister saying the President is a traitor. And so as a result, <laughs> Odali, the President, goes, no, I'm not into this anymore, and he resigns. Which is the first and only time a President has ever resigned in Irish history. And again, big deal that that happens. Yeah, that's... Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, as a result, there's a huge public backra- black, uh, backlash. Like, the president just resigned. What the fuck? You've just called him a traitor. And so Donegan is forced to resign, which opens up a lovely little spot in the cabinet that needs to be filled. Oh, no. <laughs> so we have a, a gap. We've got a, a minister of defense. We need a new one. And hey, why not Oliver J. Flanagan? The IRA, because the IRA tried to kill him, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, just That's why not? The thing, like, were, did they ever actually try to kill him, or was the whole plot just an IRA trick? Uh, so that from police officers. From my understanding, it, it was just a, a way to lure people there. I was gonna say, <laughs> so his Oliver... life was never in danger whatsoever. No, not at is all. all. Was Oliver J. Was Oliver J. Flanagan important enough to assassinate? Not really. No, which is which is why. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't going to happen. He just wasn't very important. Yeah. Also, wasn't he like not nearly as anti-IRA as a lot of other politicians in Ireland? Yeah. Like, you know, he wasn't sympathetic to them, but he was like more sympathetic to them than the average TD. Yeah, basically. Or more sympathetic to them than the average Fine Gaelor, at any rate. Like they yeah, were fair. explicitly pro-IRA Fianna Fáil TDs, but they quickly got kicked out of the party. But yeah, he's he's here. He is. He now has an opportunity to become a minister because he was, after all, a junior minister, and he was a close political ally of Cosgrave anyway. Now the news of his appointment leaked prematurely because Flanagan bragged about it, and it just completely baffled everyone. The fact that Oliver J. Flanagan had been picked. Why him of anyone else? An unnamed journalist. Yeah, in he the had press no box. like. Go on. No. 
he had no experience leading a bureaucracy. He had no experience in the military. He wasn't no. even in the military. <laughs> well, he was for a little bit, but then he got kicked out because he wouldn't shoot a picture of Hitler. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Sorry, that was like a month ago, so I've since forgotten. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, to be fair, this is a long series, so yeah. But yeah, here he is. Uh, he's a minister now, and an unnamed journalist in the press box is reported to have declared, Folks, we've reached a new low in response to the news. I mean, fair. Yeah. Checkout yeah. Magazine declared of his cabinet role, For our money, it is strange that a man of such limited intellectual capability should be in a position of such power and influence. So just calling Oliver J. Flanagan stupid? Yeah. I mean, that's accurate, I think. No, it's true. He, he was pretty stupid. Yeah. Flanagan would gain a nickname from all this. The Clown Prince of the Coalition. That's awesome. That's so cool. He was I've like the better. Joker. He was like the Joker of Irish politics. I feel like I've heard better <laughs> nicknames, though. Want to know how I got this bicycle? <laughs> I purchased a license for it just like you have to I want to know how the Masons got to me my father was a knight of St. Columbanus and my mother was a women's suffrage activist yeah He's 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 a clown now, as far as they're concerned. He's the Joker. He's he's yeah, literally he's Jokerified. The Irish, he's the Irish Joker. He is. Yeah, he's become uh, Jokerified. He's Jokerified. I want to know how I got these scars. I can't do of, Irish. I'm sorry. A lot of the Noise. politicians we we cover. I don't know about Flanagan, but a lot of the politicians we cover. I feel like if they were born um in like the mid to late 20th century, they would have just gone on Joe Rogan by now. <laughs> yeah. So, so Oliver, times, so many times we cover politicians and I just think to myself, what if this guy went on Rogan? That would be beautiful. Imagine no. if Jim Trafkant went on Joe Rogan. That would probably be the most anti-Semitic podcast ever recorded. <laughs> Jokerified Oliver J. Flanagan is here. And you know what? He's really taken out that Joker energy because he is not going to let his critics keep him down. They may call him Clown Prince of the Coalition, but he's hitting back because he declared that he'd last a long time as Minister Defen for Defense, despite what Jack Lynch may say. He lasted about six months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of some riff on Clown Prince of Contraception, but I can't think of anything. Uh, as for his time in cabinet, uh, the only notable thing I could find for from his six months as Minister for Defense is that he uh, explicitly uh, declared that he was not going to let women into the army. Yeah, that checks out. Just yeah, as, that's like, part it. of his overall thing. <laughs> yeah. Was the Irish military like involved in any foreign entanglements while he was doing stuff? I know Ireland <laughs> tends to stay pretty neutral. Yeah, uh, so like uh, during this period, you get this kind of recruitment drive because of the troubles, but they they weren't really doing much. <laughs> they were just fighting the IRA. I mean, not even they were just sort of like wandering around in fields, uh, uh, trying to patrol the border. That's about it. Okay, so 
why was it that this, why did he only last six months? Uh, the answer is that the election didn't exactly go the coalition's way, which was quite surprising for them because they thought that they had 1977 in the bag because of the Tullymander, the gerrymandering of Dublin's electoral districts into a series of small constituencies that they were absolutely certain were going to go their way. So they just gerrymandered the whole country, specifically around Dublin, and they were like, this is going to work. This is going to be brilliant. So long as Fianna Fáil don't get more than 40% in any of these small constituencies in Dublin, we're all good. We'll win. And uh, Fianna Fáil proceeded to get 40%, and they managed to gerrymander the entire election in favour of Fianna Fáil. Whoops. <laughs> don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah, no, not very clever. And in particular, one place that they did really badly was Lee Shoffley. Did Oliver J. Flanagan lose his seat? Thankfully not, but Charles McDonald did. He was completely unelectable. Wow, that's his son-in-law, Thank- right? Yeah, his son-in-law. <laughs> completely yeah. unelectable because of Flanagan's machinations. And in the yeah. process of this Fucking happening... Fucking Irish, can't even rig an election properly. <laughs> And in the process of doing this, the, you know, Lee Shoffley we talked about last time is a marginal constituency, a swing district, and it swung one last time. And because Fine Gael kept on running Charles McDonald, who was unelectable, they never won the third seat ever again. Wow. So it was no longer a swing district. He had completely killed its swing status. <laughs> but so it was like... Flanagan would do well there, but Fianna Fáil would otherwise sweep it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Sort of the Joe Manchin of Ireland. (laughs) And yeah, he'd managed to do that, and he'd also managed to, for the first time in 33 years, not top the polls. He didn't receive the most votes, yeah. So he started bottoming. Okay, yeah, I can respect that. (laughs) That happens to a lot of men. That happens to a lot of men. You know, they get a little older, they get a little tired, they decide, yeah, I want to try something new. I can't tell if that's a joke or not. Like, I get Uh, the pun, but I can't tell how much truth it's based on. uh Huh? Um, You're far too straight for me to explain it to you. Sorry. No, I know know what bottoming is. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Once no, again, he's... gay sex has come up on this podcast. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and look, you know, he, he was so close to topping. He was so close, but he just lost out by 17 votes. Uh, so you, you could say he, he, uh, he sort of finished a little too early, you could say. He didn't really have the stamina to last. <laughs> And that was why he couldn't top anymore. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. Would that be fair to say? Hmm. And that's the end of this episode of Running on a Post. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And in the aftermath of all this, because of his very poor performance in topping, he denied that he was going to retire because of his poor health. He was like, no, don't worry. This uh, this never happens to me. I uh, I'm just gonna, you know, get. To, I'm just gonna go to the doctor and they'll fix it. <laughs> now, you know, seventy seven. This goes is a serious academic for... podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's great. This is 
it's cool that um, this is the most comprehensive single source biography of Oliver J. Flanagan in existence. And if any like actual academics want to talk about it, they'll have to cite in between me making dick jokes. Yeah, uh, sure. Look, they may as well cite them too. It's it's yeah. it's it's crucial part of the content. That's correct. And hey, you know what? It's a Fianna Fáil wave year. They're doing amazing. They're topping polls all over the place. And they win an outright <laughs> they're, majority. They're young bulls in their prime. Yeah, they're, they, they, they've, they've got their energy back. You know, look, 16 years in power, they were a little bit weak, but now they're back into it. Yeah. And they they get an outright majority. The, the gerrymandering is so effective for Fianna Fáil, which was not even the purpose of it, but it was so effective for Fianna Fáil, they get a majority. <laughs> Liam Cosgrave, after that absolutely disastrous showing, is forced to resign as Fine Gael leader, and Gareth Fitzgerald ran unopposed to succeed him. I see what you did there. I appreciate hey, it. Thank you. But yeah, he's now in charge, and Flanagan was an absolute embarrassment to the kind of Fine Gael that Fitzgerald was trying to create. He's just, he's old, he's screaming about uh, wife-swapping all day. He is not. He is not what Fitzgerald wants, and so as a result, he is shunted off to the Council of Europe, where he's going to cause no problems, as far as Fitzgerald is concerned. The Council of Europe. Yeah. So there's like a, the Council of Europe is like um, an overarching structure over a lot of Europe, uh, and there's like a little bit of a, a representative body that, like, if you're elected to a national office, you can go there and talk stuff out. That's basically what he's doing. Just like go there, go be. In it Brussels. seems like just a. It seems like just a way for national politicians to get rid of problematic members of the party. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> like it seems like it's just going to be made up of like people who were slightly too weird or and or racist for whatever national party is in power in their country. Yeah, basically, and at least that's the purpose of it for Flanagan. He's just shunted off uh, because he's a national embarrassment. Go over there to Europe, where you'll cause no problems, where and, you can be an international embarrassment. Yeah, I, I mean, you'd, you'd hope so, and yes, he became quite respected across the West. No, he didn't. He did. He became the vice president of the Council of Europe. He advised Israel on their irrigation program. Gave a speech to the Turkish oh, Parliament about democracy was received with a standing oh, ovation by the Wait. Canadian Parliament. <laughs> Wait, what year is this? 77? Uh, yeah, so he's he shut it off 77, but like what I'm talking about here is like kind of 77 into the early 80s. All this stuff happens around that. Okay, so first he went to Israel, which 77 by the year was uh, the first time a right-wing Israeli government uh, came to power, uh, led by Menachem Begin of the Likud Party. And then he went to Turkey uh, to give a speech on democracy a country which three years later would have a military coup yeah look no one said he was effective at his job <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah so he went to turkey talked about man democracy. imagine being like <laughs> imagine being like a turkish military officer plotting a coup and you have to sit through and in order to stop it like hr makes you sit through the speech by this deranged irishman <laughs> Where he talks about how, like, you know, Turkey's a great country because they don't have wife swapping because it's illegal. He's <laughs> like, okay, cool. Go away, please. Go away. I'm trying to overthrow the government. <laughs> I, uh, God, he... what did, did, did anyone in Israel care that he, like, spent the 40s saying Hitler was good? Did, no. Was anyone in Israel like, go away? 
No? No, okay. not at all. No. Wait, cool. He, awesome. Love that. In, in the last Love episode, that. we talked great. about how he was uh, partying it up with the Israeli ambassador. He was very good friends with Israel. They loved him. God. Yeah. Yeah, that... It sounds weird, but that does occasionally happen. Mm. <laughs> Where you yeah. get a guy who's virulently anti-Semitic but loves Israel anyways. Yeah. Uh, he is, yeah, one of those guys. And he's there. He's helping out Israel. He's there with Turkey. He is. Uh, he has a standing ovation when he goes to Canada in the parliament. Well, well yeah, because he supported Hitler. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So they're very happy about him. Canada there. has like twelve Nazi monuments. So yeah, oh, they do. Yeah, they has have what? Canada has like twelve Nazi monuments. You know, there's a there's a bunch of monuments to the Galicia SS division in Canada. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's good. not great. It's not no, great, folks. It's it's really got no. And you know where else they love him? They love him in Spain, because he goes to Spain. He is praised by their new Prime Minister, Felipe Gonzalez, and is received by their royal family. Wait, you say, so this is post-Franco dying, right? Yeah, this is just after Franco dies. The new PSOE government comes in and they're like, we love you, Oliver J. Flanagan. You're great. Please meet our king and queen. That seems like a reverse of what I would expect to happen. I would I know, have guessed yeah. Oliver J. Flanagan would be a big fan of Franco. <laughs> Some yeah somehow they 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 loved him just despite it all that doesn't that just like that seems like a match made in hell uh, well made in hell but you know yeah <laughs> a match made in right wing Catholic heaven mm. I, I'm I'm sure also he did known love as Franco. Spain under Franco yeah like I, I'm absolutely yeah. certain he did love Franco because he did have Kevin Cahill uh, a guy who fought for Franco as one of his primary activists so you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jesus Christ. PSOE, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and look, he has all these great honors. He's respected across the West. The PSOE love him. But if there's anything that he was really proud of, it was that he got a papal knighthood in 1978, which was one of the few oh, things... Oh, yeah, he would love that. Is one of the few things that Pope John Paul I first one did in, in his 35 days as pontiff. With Pope who? Uh, Pope John Paul I, uh, the one who came before the Polish one, uh, the one who lasted 35 days. One oh, of the okay. few things he did. John Paul I. He... Yeah. I did not know that. One of the few things he did was knight Oliver J. Flanagan. Yeah. Amazing. And Incredible. He, he loved his knighthood. He was so proud of it. And so, so proud of it that he insisted people call him Sir Oliver J. Flanagan. Sir Oliver J. Flanagan? Yeah. He insisted upon it. Everyone has to call him Sir Oliver yeah. J. Flanagan. I've actually uh, never no. asked this before. What did the J stand for? Uh, James. That's lame. Mm. I, I think it is kind of disputed for some reason. I was hoping I've it would seen, be something cool. I've, I've seen some sources say James. Yeah. I've seen some say Joseph. It's, it's, it's strange, but probably James. Okay, but it's one of those boring Christian names. All right. Yeah, just a boring yeah. one. Yeah. And yeah, he, he wants them to call him Sir Oliver J. Flanagan, and this is all despite the fact that this is completely against protocol. A baffled spokesman for the Catholic Press Information Office noted the title is equivalent to an honorary degree, and that no one had ever used the title Sir after receiving one. 
He was just such an Anglophile that he thought he was being knighted by the King of England. Yeah, he just yeah he wanted to be sir. He was like, yeah, this is close enough. <laughs> there's another. Speaking of his Anglophilia, there's another story uh, where he was invited to a royal wedding. I don't remember which one, but when he was invited, he put down his name on English the roll. Yeah, an English one. Yeah, a British one. And he was he put down his name on the roll as Oliver J. Flanagan, MP, rather than TD. <laughs> Not TD. That's so cool. Mm. <laughs> That's so. God, what a suck up. <laughs> he just he wanted to be British, but in the alternate timeline where Britain stayed majority Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, the Brits would have been great if it wasn't for Henry VIII. Yeah, no, that's basically what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> so look, he's loved. Critical the support love to him. Boleyn, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. So wait, what does the Council of Europe actually do? Do they have any power? Uh, no, it's, it's sort of like advisory from my understanding. But hey, he became okay. the vice president of do, it. Do, do they get to like... <laughs> yeah, so clearly it can't be that important. <laughs> no, no, it can't be that important. If they he's let him run important. it. <laughs> yeah if they let him be vice president it probably doesn't matter that much yeah so you know he's getting all this recognition in the west they love him ireland still hates him he is still considered an embarrassment and something of a joke and he completely resents it he hates it so much he really believed yeah. that he should be in a position of prominence especially because he was now father of the doll the td with the longest unbroken period of service and is also a knight. Yeah, he's a knight. Well, he's a, a Catholic knight. knight, not like a British knight. Yeah. That still counts as a knight. Yeah, I guess. But it's not like you don't get to go by sir. No. Well, I guess you do if you're Oliver J. Flanagan. Yeah, if you're Oliver J. Yeah. Flanagan, you insist people call you sir anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because you just love the British monarchy that much. And, you know, he really believes because of all this, he should be a prominent person. And in his mind... This guy was one... born to be Irish-American. Oh, I just yeah. realized this. <laughs> like, they, in every other timeline of this universe, this guy's ancestors left Ireland, and he became, like, the most racist cop in Ohio history or something. <laughs> Who was this? Oliver J. Flanagan. Like, in, in, in every other timeline, he's, like, there's, like, 50 statues of him in Cincinnati, and he's no, was known as, like, Oliver J. Flanagan, in the guy who personally beat seven suspects to death. Why Ohio? I don't know. I just picked a random state. Mm. Fine. You want, you want to be uh, Pennsylvania? Can be Pennsylvania. I don't really care what state okay. it is. I don't really care about this bit. No offense. Okay. I'm interested in Oliver J. Flanagan. And you know, he, he's not happy about this. And he, he knows who to blame. It's the liberal media and their liberal agenda. The Jews? Yeah, basically. Uh, in February of 1979, yeah. when he opposed mandatory seatbelt wearing, they all uh, they all made fun of him uh, because he had openly defied the law by refusing to wear one. That's such a funny hill to die on. Yeah. In some cases, literally, if you're not wearing a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do it? I don't know. He's like he concocted the story where like he was absolutely like he he would insist like his life was saved because he didn't wear a seatbelt at one point. But I could find no record of this happening of a TD almost dying in a car crash, other than him <laughs> saying it. <laughs> 
the liberals want you to wear the elastic Jew <laughs> while you're driving. <laughs> Wait, is that what he called it? No, no, that's just that was just a bit I'm doing. I he, know you um, made that up, but, I'm, but like, is there a similar name he had for it? No, I'm afraid not. He just he just didn't like them. He thought they were bad. Return home, white man, and it's just like videos of people dying in car crashes. <laughs> He was being this is the globalist agenda people just driving safely (laughs) the um the establishment fears a free white man who dies in a preventable accident (laughs) is that how jay flanagan died this is what a true european man does Per, per his own admittance, it was how he almost died, but I don't believe that. Uh, no, he he dies in a more uh, <laughs> yeah way. yeah. We've sort of got a running like bit on this podcast of like who has the best death. Uh, Oliver J. Flanagan does not have a good death uh, by by interesting standards. Uh, that's tragic. No, it's quite boring. Brutal. But yeah, uh, speaking of not boring, uh, I mean, he's always being covered by the media, he's being made fun of, and when the former Minister of Defence and parliamentary windbag, Oliver J. Flanagan, uh, kept predicting that there'd be a military coup throughout the early 80s, he kept being dismissed and made fun of. <laughs> a mil- so he wanted, he basically wanted like what Turkey has, where every yeah. now and then there's just a military coup. Actually, no, more Pakistan, because more religious. He truly is the Irish Bolsonaro. He basically He's wanted always to tr- sick, and he wants a coup. Yeah. He wants to turn Ireland into Catholic Pakistan. <laughs> Where it's like a managed democracy by the military. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's, he's not happy. He, he's, he's, he's constantly talking about how he's being censored by the government. And j- just, he's not happy. And he's especially not happy. Because he's being that, censored. Yeah, but You'd be sad too, Thomas, if you were being censored by the, the Jew, but, I mean, liberal media. Yeah, but the liberal media, but their liberal agenda being some uh, funded by very large sums of money by, by, from abroad. Uh, who? Doesn't matter. But they yeah, are. definitely. I'm definitely not. He's definitely not talking about the Jews. That would be no, crazy. never, never. Yeah, he's, or the seatbelt lobby. Yeah, <laughs> seatbelt lobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Jewish seatbelt lobby. <laughs> Did you guys know that the three largest seatbelt companies in the world are all headquartered in Israel? <laughs> Is that, are there actually seatbelt companies? I think I just, just made that up. No, no, I just no. made that up. That's that is kind of not true. <laughs> yeah. And in 1979, he's not happy again because new Thesic Charles Hahi wanted to settle the issue of contraceptives once and for all. In 1979, new thesis Charles Hahi wanted to settle the issue of contraceptives once and for all, and proposed new legislation to allow them on prescription. So you still have to go to the doctor. Prescription contraceptives? And, yeah, and ask You have to go to the doctor and be like, doctor, doctor, I'm having too much sex. Please, you got to help me. <laughs> I'm prescribing you a pack of condoms. Yeah, I'm prescribing you voluntary celibacy and a life of becoming a monk. This is a Wait, so like. Would you have to get a prescription for like condoms or just like pills yeah. or what? Yeah, you'd have to get a prescription for all of it, any contraceptive. And this is considered like a condom prescription feels kind of weird. Yeah, th- this is considered the new liberal law, by the way, because before it was banned. <laughs> yeah. 
mean, so what if we means tested? What if we means tested who gets condoms? <laughs> now Flanagan hates us. Even even this is too much, and he rages against this. He goes on hours long speeches to no avail because the government passed the legislation. No problem. It just goes through. Because now, you know, it's Wow, so the days of Flanagan collapsing the government are long over. No, they're they're over now. He's really lost his juice. He's not he's not the same guy anymore. And, you know He's washed completely. He is. He's washed. He's completely washed. But you know what? He he's making his comeback. Because when this goes through, this is a big worrying moment for Irish conservatism. The campaign to ban abortion constitutionally had not really been popular because nobody had assumed that anyone would actually pass any laws in favor of it. But when prescription contraceptives happened, well, we all know the next step is abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously. I mean, to be fair, that would be the next logical step for a functioning society. Oh, it it would be, but this is not a functioning society. I mean, it's it's functioning, it's functioning it's very conservative. Yeah. yeah, that would be the next step for a regular and good society. Yes, mm. I was going to say it's abortion. a function. It's functional. It seems just very conservative, and there's yeah, a lot of fair. disagreement. Hmm. Yeah. So th- this new campaign is really rocking up, and in the 1981 election, Garrett Fitzgerald, leader of Fine Gael, is approached by members of the pro-life amendment campaign and is asked to support a constitutional ban on abortion. Now, Fitzgerald, we talked about him last time. Uh, he was one of these followers of Declan Costello, one of these like socially liberal, uh, social democratic kind of guys. So you'd assume that he's not going to be in favor of banning abortion, right? Would I be wrong in assuming that? Maybe, because so that whole push Are we for getting social, democ- Kath, social democracy. Yeah. So this Is whole that what push we're about to get. The whole push for social democracy in the 60s was really one of, I guess, technocracy. It was looking at America, looking at Britain, and saying, well, they're a social democracy, so that's what proper countries are. But now that same guy is in the 80s. And what's going on in America and Britain? Damn, Damn imagine, being, imagine your country being so fucked and that you look at America and go, a shiny example of social democracy. <laughs> I was going to say, like, we like we were barely a social democracy even in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. And so here he is. It's the 80s. He That's is one like of these like when people say the post office is communism. <laughs> Almost no one thinks that, though, I don't think. No, people say that. Like, oh, yeah, government services are socialism. People totally say that. You've never seen those memes? No, people say that, but most people don't believe it. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> Gareth Fitzgerald is confronted, and it's the 80s now. This is the way things are. He says, let's go for it. Let's ban abortion. I agree. We should ban it constitutionally. And as a result, Fianna Fáil scrambled to do the same. And for once, Oliver J. Flanagan actually respects Gareth Fitzgerald. He's, he's finally happy with him now that he wants to ban abortion. And so, once again, yeah. after topping the polls in 1981... And with a new Fine Gael Labour government, it is Flanagan who proposes to the Dáil that Fitzgerald be made Taoiseach. Oh my. Yeah. 
So from uh, basically calling him like a, a traitor to the party to now he's nominating him to the leadership. So this is basically entirely off the back of the anti-abortion sentiment? Oh, 100%, yeah. Enti- entirely because he wants to ban abortion. And whatever respect he had now gained for Fitzgerald was going to completely melt away over the course of this short-lived coalition government. It, 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 it was not who? going to last. Uh, was between, it Fianna uh, Fáil and Fianna Gael? Uh, so uh, Fine Gael and between... Labour were now in power. So Flanagan's back in power, the, the government's back in power, and he, he doesn't get to enjoy it very much because he spent most of the coalition's term sick in hospice with heart problems. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that checks out. Now he would return. Is, to he's probably life. the sickest man of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't born in the age, if he wasn't born in the age of modern medicine, he would have died at like age eleven. <laughs> mm. Now he he comes back to public life in late 1981, and then is quickly rushed to hospital again with a quote unquote kidney complaint. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even drink though did he no he didn't and he then after all the news says oh supposedly he has a kidney complaint he then officially denied that he'd had a heart attack ah okay so that's what happened yeah my didn't have now, a heart attack surgery scar is asking a lot of questions already answered by my surgery scar <laughs> <laughs> So here we are, he's, he's having heart attacks, and he's doing everything within his power to stay alive. While, by comparison, Garth Fitzgerald is doing everything within his power to completely kill the coalition government. Okay. Wait, I thought he was leading so, the coalition government. You'd think so, but oh boy, is he going to make some very <laughs> dumb decisions. So oh the boy. coalition was a minority government, right? It didn't quite have enough to push it over the line, which meant that it required support from three independent TDs. Dr. Noel Brown, who we talked about before, he's the uh, mother and child care guy. Uh, Sean Alderman Dublin Bay Rockall Loftus. And finally, Jimmy Kemi. That's so many names. <laughs> you shouldn't get to have that many names. No, you shouldn't. Uh, but yeah, that's the yeah. three of them who are supporting it. And 81 is not a good time for Ireland. Ireland is on the brink of a financial crisis. And Fitzgerald believes that austerity is going to solve the problem. Now, Well, that, that is new... keeping in line with what Britain and America were doing in the 80s. Yeah, basically, yeah. So he believes firmly, all right, it's time for some austerity. And the new budget was set to hurt the poorest the hardest slashing social spending like food subsidies and increasing taxes on everyday items and most infamously one of those items was children's shoes yeah that's how you know you're not the bad guys when you're making it harder for children to afford clothes or for people yeah. to afford clothes for their children that's how you know you're definitely on the right side of history did they get any nicknames cuz i know thatcher got the nickname thatcher the milk snatcher no, no nicknames, but just um, children's shoes would just forever haunt uh, both Fitzgerald and John Bruton, the uh, Minister for Finance. I mean, good. <laughs> it should haunt them. Yeah. And so there's this new budget. There doesn't seem to be any logic behind that do. other than just being cruel. And they're proposing this to two of the independents yeah. who are socialists. Yeah. 
So two of these independents are socialists, and so they're not agreeing to this. At all. Immediately. They tell them, no, we're not allowing austerity to happen. While the conservative Christian Democrat Loftus was willing to work with Fitzgerald here, but he had to do some revisions. There had to be some, some give or take here. And Fitzgerald said no. Completely. Nothing should change whatsoever. And this is because he had the PhD in economics. He was the expert. As far as he was concerned, he should be the one writing the budget. They should just be voting for it. The three of them would eventually put aside their petty political objections and accept the self-evidently rational proposals he was putting forward. Now, and when what it came time to, uh, of austerity. Oh, okay, cool. We love that. <clears throat> now, when it came time to vote, shockingly, uh, that, that didn't happen. Fitzgerald tried to win over Kemi in particular by giving him four pages of handwritten graphs and charts proving the economic virtues of austerity. <laughs> this also did not work for some reason. I mean, I, if I was given graphs and charts, I'd certainly change my socialist perspective and agree yeah. to austerity. But for some reason, it didn't. Average and graph so... cell versus average Chad believer in things. <laughs> <laughs> and so when that didn't work, Fitzgerald quite literally fell to his knees and began begging Kemi to vote in favor of the budget. <laughs> Please, we need to cut. We need to make it harder for children to eat. Please, it'll appease the free. It'll appease the free market. Please, bro. Bro, just, just, that... bro, just, uh, just. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, that's so depressing. Just a crumb of austerity, bro. Just Did a crumb of more children's shoe prices. Yeah, bro. I, bro, just one more social services cut. I swear, I'm done after this, bro. <laughs> Bro, I'll get Would clean, I promise. I just need one more hit <laughs> to get me through the week. Would you so just, I just gotta to get through this that, fiscal uh, quarter, man. <laughs> the budget didn't pass. It, it, it did not at all. And it oh, is nice. the only bu budget ah. in the history of Ireland that has not passed. Nice. And that completely collapses the government. Because if it can't pass a budget, it's not a government. Yeah, that, that, that's, fa that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So new elections are called for February of 1982, and Fianna Fáil regain power. Flanagan lost his top spot and came third in the poll, 850 and 1,287 votes behind the top two. I need you to understand how much I'm restraining making jokes about this, listener. I need you to appreciate <laughs> that. No worries. And yeah, when, when the doll reconvenes, Flanagan launches into a 45-minute-long rambling speech about how much he hates Fitzgerald. Pulled a real Gaddafi. This is sort of his, like, this is sort of his dreams and nightmares intro, I think. For mm. those of you who don't get the joke, Gaddafi was once supposed to give a 15-minute speech that turned into 90 minutes. Sometimes you have a lot to say, you know? I, we've all been there. I don't really want to hear what he had to say. <laughs> you don't want to listen to the ramblings of Gaddafi for 90 minutes? No. Yeah. I mean, maybe just like, because yeah. it would Gadda be crazy. Probably like, a future episode topic, Gaddafi. Mm. Three episodes at least. Oh, easily. 
It would be so oh, much. Yeah. He had have to split them up. Like we might have to divide them between the two of us. Yeah, he had quite a career. Yeah, oh, he did so much. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this is sort of his like Meek Mill dreams and nightmares. I used to pray for times like these kind of moment. Like mm-hmm. this is this is him getting the crowd hyped right after right after he got out of jail. <laughs> now he goes on this rant. Uh, the details aren't important. It, it's just a big denunciation of Fitzgerald. The only other thing I'll bring up is that uh, 34 years later, he uh, he didn't, no, but he did say uh, 34 years later that he was still bitter about the Lock Tribunal's findings. <laughs> Man, he really just never let go of anything. No, he, ju- he just couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> now, this Fianna Fáil government doesn't last long either. It, it, it lasts even shorter. And there's new elections in November. We don't need to talk about the government except for one thing, which is that they're the ones who write up the new wording for this constitutional ban on abortion, which goes as follows. The state acknowledges the right to life of the unborn, and with due regard to the equal right to life of the mother, guarantees in its laws to respect, and as far as practicable, by its laws to defend and vindicate that right. So upshot mm, of all that, that seems bad. No, it, it's not great. And so upshot, you can only get an abortion if baby. you're going to die. Yeah, I mean, not even the 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 mother and the baby are equal right to life. So if so, the baby, even if the life of the mother was endangered. Yeah, even if, so long as the baby wow, is still so alive, no exceptions. Nope. Fuck, it is. That's, that's really grim. <laughs> Yeah, so that's so the no exceptions uh, wor- for in any case. No, no, not at all. Jesus, and that's the wording that is left to them. But uh, this new government that comes in, a new Finnegale Labour coalition comes in, and this is what's left to them. And the new Attorney General found it really lacking. Uh, one could even make a legal argument based on this wording that abortion should be legal. Like it was I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that didn't happen. <laughs> no, it, it didn't, but it was so sloppily written that you <laughs> could interpret it that way if you want to do. You either interpret it as the strictest possible ban or no ban at all. That's that seems like a badly written bill. <laughs> it <laughs> you is could yeah. interpret it as complete opposites. Yeah. Yeah. It's and this is why the Attorney General proposed new wording. Nothing in this constitution shall be invoked to invalidate or to deprive of force or effect any provision of a law on the grounds that it prohibits abortion. And, you know, that's much more concise. It, it, It works, but there's a problem with it. A problem Flanagan has with it, which is that it is not an explicit ban. It is basically saying that you can't use the court system to overturn a ban, but it's not preventing the doll from passing legislation to overturn the ban. And so he's not happy about it. Not happy in the slightest. He got everything he he Fitz- still wasn't happy. No, not at all. And he accuses yeah. Gareth Fitzgerald of terrorizing the women of Ireland and attempting to give the government the right to act as Herod and to take the life of an innocent. Getting biblical with it. Okay. Wait, mm. he was accusing the guy who wanted to liberalize abortion laws as terrorizing women? 
He was accusing the guy who wanted to ban abortion, but not as strictly as him, of terrorizing women. Oh, I was... Okay, that's even weirder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wait. it's much weirder. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like not letting women to abort a pregnancy, even if they're raped or if they're going to die, that feels pretty bad. Yeah, this yeah. podcast does not... This podcast is against that. I'm just gonna no, go with, on record on that one. You definitely should not support the Eighth Amendment. It was really bad. And Flanagan In an Irish say, context, yeah. just to clarify. Yeah, the Eighth Amendment in Ireland. Uh, this is what this is going to become, yeah, the Eighth Amendment. the Eighth Amendment in the U.S. is good. <laughs> yeah. Now, Flanagan stated, The government may take its legal advice from the Attorney General, but I take my legal advice from the Word of God. Hmm, that seems like a bad thing for <laughs> Wait, a lawmaker to say. you take legal say? advice from God? <laughs> yeah. I'm getting really into I'm getting really into celestial contract law. <laughs> I'm actually Yeah. I'm a prof- no. I'm a professor of heaven real estate disputes. <laughs> and he, he's not happy. And he he's screaming, ranting and raving, and he became so angry during one debate on the issue in March 1983, that the force of his ranting made his dentures fly out of his mouth. (laughs) Uh, Is there video of that? Unfortunately not, no. That's so tragic. I would have loved video of that. That would have been the episode picture, too. (laughs) There there really should have been. (laughs) But no, yeah, his dentures fall out. And ultimately, the new wording, the less strict wording, was defeated, and the old wording went to a public referendum on the 7th of September, and abortion, uh, the ban on abortion, was passed by 67% of the vote. Jesus. This becomes the Eighth Amendment, uh, as I said, of the Irish Constitution, and it remained in place until 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were I, some I amendments. That. that was, yeah, not good. I remember one that got repealed. Yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. that long ago. Really not. No, Fuck. there were a, a couple of cases here and there, which like more amendments came that like okay, when the mother's life is in danger, we'll allow it. But like no, effectively, this legislation lasts. Uh, yeah, decades. Yep. Jesus Christ. And Flanagan is the long is, shadow of Flanagan. Yeah, he's over the moon about it. Uh, he here he is uh, in his own Lee Shoffley. They voted seventy eight percent in favor, and he claimed that he had mobilized three thousand five hundred personal friends to campaign on behalf of the uh, referendum. Who has thirty so five hundred personal friends? <laughs> That's so sus. I don't know. <laughs> Did anyone ever look into like allegations that he personally rigged the vote? I uh, seemingly not. No, actually, no, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't smart enough to do that, no. No. He called the 7th of September... He called the 7th of September, 1983, the greatest date in modern Irish history, and called for it to become a public holiday, Liberation Day for the Unborn. Jesus Christ. We're reaching levels of of Catholicism that shouldn't be possible. No. (laughs) So just think... Catholicism, just government intrusion in general... Oh, we, we are going to reach uber-Catholic levels in two seconds. But yeah, just as a reminder here, Oliver J. Flanagan, horrible man. Funny, horrible man. Yeah, just in case you forgot. 
just in case over the previous like four hours of content haven't convinced you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, after successfully banning abortion, Flanagan's next target was to prevent the full legalization of contraceptives planned by the government in 1985. An Irish Times poll in January found that 41% supported full legalization, 44% limited legalization, and only 15% would agree with Flanagan that it should be completely banned. As a result, Finnegale followed along and announced that any members who voted against the government's bill would have the whip taken away from them. In response to this, Flanagan told Finnegale whip Sean Barr. Pardon? That means they're kicked out of the party, right? Yeah, that means they're kicked out of the party. Okay. Now Flanagan told Finnegale Whip, Sean Barrett, Now Sean, you know the story. In moral matters, God is my whip. That is kind of a badass quote, I can't lie. Said by a horrible person for horrible reasons, but that kind of goes hard. It does. Like yeah. that seems like a that that would be a cool quote to put on your tombstone. <laughs> Now, in March, the bill passes, and Flanagan was expelled from the Parliamentary Party as a result. And I want to briefly talk a little bit about something else that happened in 1985 because of this. Uh, We were talking about levels of Catholicism not yet seen before. Let's talk about the mass hysteria about uh, statues of the Virgin Mary moving. Statues of what? Of the Virgin Mary moving. I'm sorry, excuse me? (laughs) Yes. So when contraceptives in 1985 were officially legalized 100%. There was so many, hundreds of sightings of the st- of various statues in grottos, in cemeteries around the country of statues of the Virgin Mary moving. This, according to those who saw it, was God's wrath. God was telling Ireland that they had voted incorrectly. Okay, that's... Uh, I don't know what to do with that. No, I don't know what to like, do with it either, but it happened. What, what do you say to that? To someone, to, like, what? Yeah, I, I what, don't know. What do you even Just say to that? Fuck. Hundreds of sightings of, the, of statues of the Virgin Mary moving, including people who swore they saw on television when the news was covering it that it moved. Wait, how is... Wait, why was it bad if the Virgin Mary was moving? Because, because it's clearly a sign that God is not happy with Ireland legalizing contraceptives. Did like the statues do anything, or did they just move? No, they just moved. They uh, they got closer to you every time you weren't looking at them. <laughs> okay, I was confused. I was gonna say like, were they like, was there like a specific gesture they were making, or like, were they just moving from one place to another? No, they, they they were just like as as far as people were concerned, they were like making various slight movements, and like, oh, that, that must mean that God's not happy. They had, the reason they I, had I life essence the, implanted into them, like in Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> There's a reason <laughs> they I were call like it, fighting people. I, it's it's just mass hysteria. I don't I don't really know what to say about it. Yeah, no, it's just mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, there he is. Flanagan's kicked out as a result of all this, and then he's welcomed back in November. No problem. <laughs> Why? How? I don't know. He's just, Come on back in, Flanagan. You've been a good boy. Yeah. He basically, he voted along with the government. And so they were like, okay, come along. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They were like mommy doming him. (laughs) They were like, all right, Flanagan, you've been a good boy. (laughs) 
Oh. <laughs> I just remembered my parents listened to this podcast. <laughs> so, cut, so cut it out. Maybe, yeah. For the best. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, so cut it out. We'll see. So, in early 1986, Flanagan was in the hospital again. He had cancer, and it was terminal. But in May oh, no. 1986, he came back to the political scene again, as he wasn't going to let a little thing like dying get in the way of opposing the legalization of divorce. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, divorce was still illegal? Oh, t- yeah, up until 95, I think. What the fuck? Yeah. It was yeah. 95 when it was legal, right? Oh my yeah. god. This is the first Ireland, attempt to legalize Ireland it in is, uh, 86. Ireland is not a real country. What the hell? <laughs> it wasn't legal in a lot of the first world up until after the World War II. And Italy wasn't legalized till the 60s or 70s, I don't think. What hmm. the hell are Catholics on, man? It was also, <laughs> it was also the smoking? case in non-Catholic countries, too. Like what? Uh, I don't know exactly which ones. I haven't really studied divorce law extensively. Oh, I've um, studied it extensively. Uh, my many ex-wives are coming after me. <laughs> yeah not not a favor of le- uh, in favor of legalizing divorce and specifically specifically what oh sorry i think i cut out for a bit there. according to this map i found it's still illegal in the philippines yeah that makes sense yeah makes sense yeah now yeah. divorce was one of the greatest evils which could ever be experienced as far as flanagan was concerned and it was evil yeah, for many like different would say. Yeah, it's evil for many multifaceted different reasons. It was evil for wives as they be thrown on the scrap heap and forced to receive social welfare. It was evil for children oh no, the as there horror. can be nothing more frightening than getting step parents. I feel like I can think of a few things. I can think of many things, yeah. Yeah, like I, I you could it, it could be worse. <laughs> And it was evil for husbands who would now have to pay alimony. <laughs> yeah, so was a horror. So is the original Reddit men's rights activist cool? Yeah, yeah. if he was born a little bit later, he yeah, would a be man's a, right a, a father's for justice. Yeah, his property. Yeah, <laughs> he would have been a father's for justice guy. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about those guys. <laughs> They'll probably come up but again yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> These are all the logo very. Is. Oh, Fathers for Justice Day of the Dad demonstration, London, Father's Day, 2004. Yeah. Welcome back to the official Father's Rights podcast. Is that a joke? (laughs) I, uh, yeah. Wait, there's also the new Fathers for Justice? Was there a split? Yes. Some over what? Uh, According to Wikipedia, former F4J members who do not agree with Matt O'Connor's leadership formed the new Fathers for Justice group in 2008. This is like that chart of all the different communist parties in Britain, but it's just for fathers' <laughs> rights activists. <laughs> There's like the, the the original Fathers for Justice took a Marxist-Leninist line, whereas um, f- the new Fathers for Justice wanted to take a more um, Maoist line. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Fathers' Rights they... activist in the UK who's uh, named Jolly Stansby. That's such a British That name. man should not be allowed anywhere near children. No, his real name is Jonathan. Jolly's just a nickname. That's awful. Oh, wait, why goodness. not just go by Jonathan? That's a perfectly fine name. Okay, wait, we're at 90 minutes. Let's finish up. Yeah, uh, we'll be two no, seconds. No, I want to talk more about this. 
I have to edit this, we'll be, Gab. Yeah. We'll be two seconds. This, he's Gab. about Come on, please. He, he's about to die. Don't worry. Yeah, I know. I know. I looked up when he died once we hit an hour. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, he, he's, he's not happy about divorce, and he believes that there's reasons why people want divorce these days. Specifically, he thinks television is one of the reasons, as it brings silence into the home because couples are watching it instead of talking to each other. Yes. The, once again, the electric Jew strikes. <laughs> I, I mean, like, Please the tell real, me to call TV uh, that at some point. Uh, I wish, I wish, but unfortunately not, no. He, yeah. he is also, I feel like a... I just need to say I am a practicing reformed Jew. Please do not get mad at me for making these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> if you eat pork, if you eat pork, you do not get to get mad at me for this joke. <laughs> now, you know, television, that's one of the things that's causing divorce, of, of course, as we all know. Other thing that's causing divorce, singing pubs, which was a trend in the 70s and 80s of there being live music in pubs. So, so this is what's causing that, divorce. That seems pretty normal. So yeah. concerts. So he yes. wants to get rid of live music too? Yeah. This is causing divorce. Did, let me... Wait, what's his... Did, wait, did he have contacts in Afghanistan? Because I know the Taliban <laughs> outlawed music after they took power in 96. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If only Oliver J. Flanagan converted to Islam, he would have been the most powerful white convert of all time. All of (laughs) Europe would be under Sharia law if Oliver J. Flanagan converted to Islam. Uh, Well, unfortunately... We we would have the Irish Caliphate right now. That's what Thomas would be broadcasting from. That'd be a better place. And you know what? (laughs) He, He didn't convert to Islam, ultimately. And uh, one of these reasons is that, in his mind, Western society and Christian values were very important. And he was furious at the idea of legalization of divorce, and he believed it was part of a wider moral disintegration. Western society is rudderless. It has lost the will to live and cherish family values and Christian values. Oh no, not Christian values. I know, yeah, very, very standard right-wing stuff. I'm but weeping. Hey, I'm weeping for the Christian values. Western society, don't worry, everyone. It was saved because on the 26th of June, 1986, the legalization of divorce was defeated by 63% of the vote. Well, oh, I was right. going to say he died, and I was going to say <laughs> that I don't think that really changed whether Western civilization was saved. Yeah. No. But, you know, speaking of his death, throughout 1986, his health grew worse. He was unable to attend the Dal, but despite this, insisted he'd be running in the next election. During Christmas of 1986... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just continuously, yeah. Now, during Christmas of 1986, he made a shock appearance in the Dal, leaving his sickbed to save the coalition in a crucial vote. In January 1987, he showed up for the last time. What was the vote Barely able to... Was the uh, vote I, I, I'm not certain off the top of my head, but I just know that like it was, it was coming down to the wire, so... He got out of his sickbed okay. and voted in favor of it. Right. Like John McCain voting to save Obamacare. Although oh, he wasn't yeah. out of his sickbed. He was, it's, he, I think he was far more functional than Oliver was. Yeah, that's fair. No, yeah. He had had surgery, but he was not on his deathbed at that point. Yeah, true. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I, mean, I think he lasted of, like another year or two. Speaking of like Oliver J. Flanagan's condition, he arrives in in January 1987 for the last time, barely able to walk. 
he's in the, he, he he can't walk. And so uh, he he turns up for the last time, votes for new elections, and announces that he was too ill to run. But you know who is running for the next election? His son. Are you about to tell me his son took up the seat and still holds it? Is that what's about to happen? Maybe. Now, <laughs> Oliver J. Flanagan always wanted his son Charlie to succeed him. In earlier years, he'd shown Charlie's picture to fellow politicians and would say, See that little fella there? He'll be in the doll when I'm gone. As a result, he must have been absolutely That's chuffed. That's weird. Yeah, it's quite weird. But you know what? He must have been absolutely ecstatic then. Because in 1987, Charlie Flanagan won election. And he is still the TD for Lee Shoffley. Oh my god. That is impressive. Me. Is he as conservative as his dad was? Uh, so no, he, he's kind of more um, uh, broken into Fine Gael a little bit. Uh, but it's like, mm, how, how can I put up he's for Charlie? He's been broken. Yeah, so 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 Charlie is like um, he's he is quite right wing. I'd say frank I'd say frankly he is like as right wing as his father, but he veils it in very like liberal language. Is he in a way as that, anti-Semitic? No, he's just Islamophobic. Okay, yeah, he sort of shifted. Yeah, so the, he's exchanged the, one hatred for another, but he's no more tolerant. Yeah, basically. And there we are. Charlie Flanagan's now in power. It's 1987. And Oliver J. Flanagan retired with the eighth longest consecutive term in the Dáil. Uh, nowadays, that's the ninth. And a Kenny, former Thysk of Ireland, beat him. Uh, but yeah, at 44 years How long? in power. 44 fucking years. That's definitely yeah. the longest career we've covered on this podcast, which is probably mm. why it took so long. Or longest yeah. uninterrupted career. Jim Traffigan had a long career. No, but he, he was in Congress for like 20 years. No, but his political career was longer than 20 years. It was like 25 years. It wasn't that much longer. Fair enough, yeah. So he retires yeah, with that's... that record. He retires also with another what record as the longest serving TD in Lee Shoffley history. And one more record under his belt, which is that at that point... He was the longest-serving elected representative in the entirety of Europe. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. Because he was elected in 1943, and a lot of stuff happened after that, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Fuck. So 1943 to 1986. Yeah. That is crazy. As 1987, oh, the election was. Yeah. Yeah, 87. And well, you know what? There he is, basking in all this. But uh, he didn't have uh, much time to enjoy it. Because two months after the election, on the 26th of April, 1987, Oliver J. Flanagan died. Of what? Pop your champagne now, folks. I know you've been waiting. Of, uh, to... of cancer. Oh. Yeah. That's it. I there thought it was going to be more eventful. No, no he genuinely just, his. I uh, thought it was uh, gonna be like lost a fight with the giant duck or something. <laughs> nah, he was. He was more of a rhetorical bomb thrower than a literal bomb thrower. Mm. Yeah, but still, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the real appropriate death should have been the made-up story he talked about that in the seventies he almost died in the car crash. That should have been how he went, but no, he he lasted long. Yeah, enough no, to he sh- he should have died because he was like. 
he like couldn't walk but was like no nah, i can still drive it's fine and then like had a seizure <laughs> or something that would have been more <laughs> fitting but i am he just instead he gets or been killed by the ira a... that would have been more fitting yeah yep. maybe yeah, instead he gets to retire as a very successful politician and uh, live out the last few months of his life uh, in relative comfort. Yep. Yeah. It, it's hard to stress just how much a lot of countries are willing to forgive their, in some cases, literally most Hitlerite politicians. Mm. <laughs> and they're just, yeah. like, totally fine with it. It's, um... Do not let your rage subside, listener. That would be sort of my takeaway from this saga. Yeah. yeah. It's is, uh, um, something. Be vigilant and be angry. <laughs> All right. Signing off. You got, you got, you want to wrap up, Thomas? This is your show. Uh, sh- sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much else to say. All I'll say is that, um, you know, the, he kind of won that at the end of his life, he, he won yeah. everything he, everything he wanted. Had happened, uh, you know. Okay, fine. Contraceptives got legalized. That was not in what he wanted. But other than that, everything he wanted, he got, and that all yep. lasted right up until his death. And now, thankfully, that Ireland died with him. Yeah, we um, we still live in the shadow of the Oliver J. Flanagan's of the world. We do, yeah. In many ways, yeah, and. Uh... I guess do your part to make that not the case, listener. Yeah, I don't know what else right. to say. Uh, our email is runningonopposedpod at gmail.com. If you want to uh, email us episode suggestions, sponsorships, fan mail, anything like that, please email us fan mail. We were thinking of doing like an episode where we answer fan mail. That could be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, our Twitter is at opposedpod. Follow for show updates, like you know if an episode's delayed or something like that. Uh, and also fun, like behind the scenes photos of politicians that I couldn't use for episodes for whatever reason. Uh, our theme song is courtesy of Oxblood Oxblood on SoundCloud. Uh, that's it. Thomas, you got anything? No, afraid not. Just uh, as you said yourself, Rose, just make sure to fight for a better world that doesn't have any Oliver J. Flanagan's in it. Yeah. Um, or at least not in power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least we, not in power. Um, I mean, We live in the world Oliver J. Flanagan built, and uh, let's try to build a better one, listener. That's all Mm. I've got, folks. Signing off, this has been Running Unopposed. Good day. Goodbye.